Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Chip Nellinger. I'm your host, Casey Seymour, now part of the Global Ag Network. Chip, how you doing? Hey, uh, trying to stay warm here. We're uh, we're ready for spring any day now. It's a full-time job this year. Uh, that warmth is not is lacking about everywhere we go. We got a big goose egg on the uh, thermometer this morning, so uh, it's not uh, not what you want to see in March. Yeah, you're four degrees better than me, so things are <laughs> balmy where you're at. <laughs> balmy, yeah. All right, so some news came out yesterday. Uh, Wall Street Journal had a report that came out that said the U.S. and China were within just a few days of making something happen and basically alleviating all the tariffs uh, on both sides, also any sanctions that might be out there uh, with between the U.S. and China, mostly that the U.S. has laid on China. So big news um, coming out of there. The markets have responded both yesterday and also in the open this morning. I looked and saw that they they kind of had a rally from what they had up yesterday. So what are your thoughts on that? And and do you think this is a another one of those, uh, oh, uh, report too early that, that maybe something's going to come out and say, hey, you know what, we might, we're, we're actually further away than we thought? Yeah, that's, um, I think, um, n- not that I'm totally pessimistic on this, but that is at least the fourth, if not the fifth time the Wall Street Journal has reported that. Same headline, you know, U.S.-China close to a, to a deal here. Um, I, I do think that uh, we're close, but the market's worn out. Um, you know, they're just, it's just been almost laughable at times how this thing's gone, and the market's just sick of it. And everyone else that are, uh, you know, part of these markets, it's just exhausting day in, day out. Um, you know, we, we've got a deal. We're miles apart on a deal. Uh, you got one uh, trade rep that, uh, you know, says one thing in the, in the morning. You've got another one that says something 180 degrees different in the afternoon. <clears throat> it's mind-boggling and it's mind-numbing. So I think until there is, uh, you know, ink on the paper and um, we've got, uh, you know, somebody uh, takes a picture and tweets it out of the actual specifics, that this market is going to be a little bit reserved and say, um, okay, we've seen this uh, play out before, and then it resulted uh, in a big nothing burger, and uh, let's wait and, and see. So that's uh, good news. Now, there was, uh, I think, very early this morning, Goldman Sachs, or possibly over the weekend, Goldman Sachs put out um, uh, some news as well to their clients um, that, uh, you know, this thing's probably very close. It's going to include uh, ethanol. Uh, it's going to include a lot of uh, energy products, uh, possibly some natural gas. So, you know, this thing is um, some details are leaking out. And, you know, I think that we are close. But until you have some actual hard specifics, hard facts, um, this market's probably going to be a little bit reserved. It's not going to go a lot lower um, with that news. But, you know, that's still... I think the date that I heard, which will probably change uh, 52 to, to 75 times, 
between now and then uh, was the 27th of March uh, that they're supposed to, uh, the two presidents are supposed to get together and have this historic signing. So we'll see. That's still a ways away. You know, that's three weeks, three and a half weeks away here. So a lot can change between now and then. And uh, in market terms, that's uh, that's a long ways away. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's good. It's good news. But um, I don't think the market's going to do a whole lot with it until we get some more specifics. Right. And that's, that's the same thing that I read in, in the articles that I were talking about. Where the 27th was going to be the day they were going to get together and talk about, you know, sign whatever they're going to sign or, or uh, with at least have an agreement in place by then, maybe not signed in place. But the other thing that's standing out there now that I have a lot of concern about is, is the wheat price. And it's not it is not rebounded at all, especially with when you look at what's happening in Australia. Um, yeah. Some some. What, what's the underlying issue with wheat right now? I mean, I know supplies are high and everything else, but one of the largest wheat producing nations in the world is uh, is basically burned up in drought. So I mean, what's your opinion of wheat and where do you see it headed? Yeah, that's a really uh, tough call there. I, I think this Russian situation has everybody scratching their heads um, because they don't know, you know, you, you've got European cash wheat prices that, you know, have recently been, and, and Russian wheat price have been multi-year highs, but yet, which would indicate there's some sort of shortage domestically, but yet Russia continues to export wheat. So uh, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher with what's going on, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's got the market confused. The funds, I think, just, you know, they don't um, debate or, uh, you know, agonize over the news, like, you know, seems like we talk about daily on China, or will they, won't they? Is it a deal? What are they going to take? Uh, the, the funds are a little um, less emotional. And if their system says sell, uh, they're going to sell. And their system has uh, been flashing sell and wheat for uh, quite a while. So these funds have built up a big, big short position um, in, in really all our markets, wheat and corn especially, to a lesser extent beans. So I, I think that's really been what this is about is the funds are selling it. We still have too many, uh, too high of stocks domestically. We're not going to run out. There's problems uh, that have popped up the last several months uh, in the world. As you mentioned, uh, Australia is uh, right in, the, in smack dab in the middle of a problem right now. And, but um, the market just is not responding. And, and sometimes it just takes time, you know, and, and it wears everyone out. I think you're in the process of that. Wheat's dropped about 60 cents um, roughly in the last three weeks. Um, it's it's ugly. It's oversold, but we just need a spark. And and now uh, we're set, right? The funds have big short positions uh, put out. Um, I, I think it's estimated that the funds are short, probably eighty ish. Sorry about that. Uh, about eighty thousand contracts. Wheat. Uh, uh, the funds are short. They're short. Uh, um, probably one hundred fifty thousand contracts of corn. We just need the right spark now, and it's not the right timing in in the corn market to be short. Um, you know, the first week in March with the whole growing season ahead of us, and you know, throwing another uh, going a, a one eighty on you here. As I mentioned, what is this March fourth? It's uh, it was uh, about four or five below this morning for a low here in Central Illinois. We had some snow. Looking out the parking lot, there's a skip of snow uh, here, a zero degrees right now. Um, more snow coming, uh, later this week. I mean, out right here, central Illinois is not, um, even the worst of it. I mean, this is everywhere flooding in Southern Illinois, flooding in Kentucky, Tennessee. Um, 
uh, you know, they got some snow cover out west, but I'm, um, I don't know. To a long, long answer, much longer. I don't know what's going on at the wheat market. The funds decided that they want a big short position, and that's what's going to drive it for now. But there are some fundamentals, uh, and, and we've got a very important, uh, you know, three or four months ahead of us here. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, what? How are we going to come out of dormancy? Did we have any winter kill issues? Been brutally cold, uh, several stretches, brutally cold, and then warm up, and then brutally cold again. It's not good for wheat. Um, so we got a lot of questions out there, um, still with these markets and the funds are short and we've got the setup. We just need some sort of a spark that could be weather. It could be China. It could be, uh, some export demand. It could be a lot of things. We just need some things to start going right in these markets and, and probably primarily get this China thing in the rear view mirror. It's just, um, it's not a, a, I guess, freely traded market right now until we get that decided and uh, we need that uh, behind us and not uh, weighing on us daily. So what, what has, a, what will have a bigger impact on us if China buys corn or if China buys ethanol, what, what, which where I mean, more ethanol, which one's going to be the biggest impact on corn? Uh, yeah, I think if they buy corn, I mean, it's been several years, uh, uh, many, many years. Uh, it probably is the, the last time they bought sizable amounts of corn was, I believe, 95, 96. So you're talking uh, a while ago. Um, they will both have an effect. And, and I think it's probably going to be both. It's not going to be one or the other. It's going to be a combination of, of both uh, corn, ethanol, possibly DDGs. So yeah, I just don't think that the mar market doesn't seem like it's uh, even considering that as a possibility right now. We don't have, even though we had a big crop, our demand's big, we don't have just burden some stocks of corn sitting here and um you know you start combining uh, some better ethanol demand if they start taking ethanols and ddgs that'll help ethanol margins right there because you tighten up that ddg market um get bring some margins back to our domestic ethanol producers you start pumping some corn to them you know e even at, i mean 10 million tons uh, uh you know metric tons seems to be their uh their working order uh, that's over 300 million bushels of corn. So, you know, we, we sell them 10 million metric tons of corn, even if half of it's, um, you know, the 18 crop year, that's going to tighten out the carry out that much more. You include ethanol and DDG in that. It's a different story. It's a game changer. But the market right now, I think, is just so weary um, of taking a position, getting long, expecting the market's going to go up on good news, and then they get the you know, the rug pulled out from under them with, uh, with bad news that they're going to just wait and see. But I, I think that is something you maybe hit the nail on the head. We're pretty lethargic. We're not acting right. Um, that's not a friendly sign, but a snap of a finger, a tweet or a, a signed agreement could change that overnight. Um, and, and put a much bigger rally in than people expect because the funds have a big short position right now. Right All right, so livestock market—it's uh, like we just talked about. It's been cold, really cold out here in Nebraska and Western Panhandle. We had about, depending on when you're at, it could have been five inches to a foot, depending on where you were at, and cold, windy, cold, really cold conditions. Guys are calving. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in the cattle market. So uh, with the cold weather and trying to put on uh, gain and everything else that goes with that, it's got to be a struggle right now that to on the cattle market, and it's got to start to show a little bit. Yeah, it's it's definitely starting to show. It's been brutal. It's just been uh, possibly one of the 
worst uh, winters for feeding cattle in uh, in modern history, and it's not over yet, as you mentioned. Um, now the next problem is going to be how do we how do we come into spring? Right, is it going to get sloppy wet and when everything thaws out? Um, you know, that's uh, almost as bad as uh, these brutal cold temperatures. If you have cold temperatures for an extended period, it's 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 livable. But um, you know, you you have these bouts of uh, you know, blizzard conditions, and then you warm up and cool down and warm up, cool down. That's what's uh, a killer, um, you know, as far as uh, feed conversion. Carcass weights are, are lower. Um, the, the cattle market definitely, uh, that's affecting it right now. There's no question. You know, we recently set contract highs in a lot of these uh, markets last week uh, in, in live cattle. Um, the feeder fat spread is uh, as, uh, as narrow as it's been in a, in a long, long time. So what that means is that, um, number one, feedlots uh, aren't buying feeder cattle uh, because of the, the feeding conditions. Uh, but number, more importantly, um, in, any, cat, any feeder cattle that they are buying, uh, there's a good chance that, um, you know, if you've got some profitability out there or close to it in the deferreds, and that's uh, not a real common occurrence. So profitability-wise, things are going all right. Um you know, feed costs, um, uh, cost of gain is going up because of the, of the weather, but yet the cash market continues to respond. It just seems like, uh, for a month now it's been, um, you know, up a buck to two and it was, uh, again last week. So we're seeing the effects of that. Where does it stop? I, I don't know. It, it probably could mean that we have one final push higher, maybe kind of a blow off type of a top where maybe you could take this April contract um, you know, mid one third, mid to upper one thirties, just shy one forty. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. The June live cattle contracts way behind the the April, so it has some catch up to do. Um, but you know, from a producer standpoint, you got to know the numbers. Um, you know, increase your cost of gain because of the horrendous feeding conditions, and when you've got profitability. Lots of tools out there, whether it's puts, whether it's uh, selling futures and, and attaching some calls to it so that you can capture some upside. Um, you, you, it's not the time to get, uh, you know, uber bullish in here, permable, uh, and think we're going to go up forever because we won't. Right. Well, we talk about it all, every time we do this, Chip. Uh, plan is how important that is and, and being able to uh, execute that plan when uh, when you have it laid out to execute it. So. If folks have a plan they're working on or need some help getting one planned, uh, getting plan put together, how to do that, Chip? Yeah, best way is just call our office, 309-550-7213. And uh, we'd love to chat with you on uh, what you're doing, kind of give you a quick overview. Um, and, um, you know, there might be a couple little things that we could help you with to tweak that. And uh, execution is the hard part. It's one thing to have a plan, but you got to be uh, ready, willing, and able to pull the trigger when it's time. So that's the real hard part of it. Right on. All right, Chip. Wait, we'll have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you again next week and uh, see if you can't put another layer on. Stay warm. Well, we'll try it. Spring will come eventually. I was just telling somebody earlier, it, uh, it'll go from five below to like 87 in four days, and you'd be like, oh, man, I'm not ready for this crap. Skip spring, go right to summer, right? Exactly. Exactly. I'm, re I'm ready for spring. I'd like about three or four weeks of a nice uh, easing into it and instead of uh, going from uh, five below to 80 above, you know? I hear you. I can hear you, man. So, all right, Chip, take care of yourself. We'll hit all you. right. Have a good week. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. 
You can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, the Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving